Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Deadology Podcast from Pencil Hill Studio, New Paltz, New York. I'm your host, Howard Weiner. Today is January 29th, 2024. This is Season 2, Episode 5 of the Deadology Podcast. And today we're going to take a look at a colossal Grateful Dead show, July 18th. 1972, Roosevelt Stadium, Jersey City. A three-set show, definitely one of the more famous uh, Grateful Dead shows out there. And the reason I chose uh, today to look at this 72 show, uh, twofold. Uh, We have yet to do a 1972 or 1974 show on the podcast. And I was looking at the two great Roosevelt Stadium shows from each year. And decided to go with the 72 one because the, f- the 50th anniversary of the 1974 show will be coming up uh, this year. And I'll get to that show on, on the anniversary date there. And the other reason is February, we're going Jerry Garcia Band. A few, uh, few years back, I decreed that uh, February was Jerry Garcia Band month. And here on the podcast, we're going to... Take a look at at least one Jerry Garcia band show on every week uh, through the month of February. We'll get some other stuff in there, you know, some dead, the album of the week stuff. But it's going to be a Jerry Garcia band month. I'm looking forward to that. And I said one one big show from the Grateful Dead before we head into February. And I couldn't pick a much larger one than this. All the cool cats were in Jersey City on July 18th, 1972. Bob Dylan was there. David Bromberg was there. Neither one of them performed. They were just there checking it out like most of the uh, deadheads. My friend Barry Aquilino was there as well. And we're going to have a quick chat with him since he's an eyewitness to essential Grateful Dead history. And before we go to the little uh, chat with Barry, um, I wanted to tell you how I met Barry. It's It's a Grateful Dead story. Uh, pretty awesome. It changed my life. Um, where at the website I met him at, um, it all began in the summer of 1999, uh, 90th 90th Street and First Avenue, Manhattan, Upper East Side. I walk into the Australia Bar, and there's a guy on stage, long hair, in a ponytail, tattoos. He's playing Grateful Dead songs. I was like, I gotta meet this guy. Um, He wasn't the official performer. He was just up there, you know, messing around with an acoustic guitar, singing for a few people. Um, I joined them on stage. I remember the songs we did. It was was one of the most memorable nights, man. Uh, We sang Cold Rain and Snow and Bid You Goodnight together. There might have been one person left at the bar. Uh, But what happened after was amazing. Uh, The guy's name is Jim Kerr Jr. His dad is the famous New York uh, radio DJ Jim Kerr. And Jim Kerr Jr., um, Deadhead, really got into them in the 90s. You know, a guy totally loves the Grateful Dead. He, he, he told me that you could, on a computer, you could download Grateful Dead discs. Um, so what happened was the next day I went out and I bought my first personal computer, bought blank discs and started downloading the Grateful Dead. That was all, the, all I needed to hear. Uh, to go out and get my first computer that you could download dead shows uh, on the internet. Uh, the second big thing um, that he told me was 
He's like, you got to join the Morning Dew website. Uh, Morning Dew website was um, a website based on the, the radio show uh, called Morning Dew on WBAI 99.5 FM in New York. Every week they played Grateful Dead shows. The host was Lance Neal. And David Rothstein created a website where fans could get together and discuss uh, the Grateful Dead. I signed up there, man, and what a bunch of beautiful lunatics were on this site. And I'm proud to say I I was one of them. Um, We just debated, and every year, every song, best versions, we had so much passion. We were exchanging CDs. If somebody came on there and said, this is the best Jack Straw ever, and it wasn't, they would get killed. You know, it was like, it was no messing around, man. Everybody came with their opinions full, full blast. And um, just such passionate, grateful dead and sharing of, of music. And despite all the arguments we had online, met so many cool people, friends to them. Uh, many of these guys to this day, even though the site no longer exists as far as I know. And uh, another great thing that came out of it, and then we'll get to the chat with Barry, was these guys, like they would see all the energy I was putting into my stories. They would say, you got to write a book. So I took him seriously. I went back to college, uh, got a master's degree in creative writing, and here I am, eleven books, eleven books later, eleven published books out there, and it all began with the Morning Dew uh, uh, website. Um, great people, and one of the one of the guys on there, uh, Barry, he he was on there f- um, as much as I was. Man, it was like we were posting every day on that website ten times a day. Um, but Barry was uh, one of the most loved loved guys on that site, and right now um, he he was at his first show was July eighteenth nineteen seventy two. So here's a quick chat with Barry. All right, joining us now on the Deadology podcast is Mr. Barry Aquilino. Welcome to the show. How are you? How are you doing, Catfish? Awesome, man. Doing great. All right. Uh, the reason we got we're gonna have a little chat with Barry here. His first Grateful Dead show is The Immortal, July 18th, <laughs> 1972, Roosevelt Stadium show. What a way to get started. And uh, before we go to the, to Roosevelt Stadium, could you tell us how you got into The Grateful Dead? How did it all begin? Okay, well, um, when I was in high school, I graduated high school in 1970, put it in perspective. And in high school, I was more of a uh, airplane and uh, big brother fan uh, as far as the San Francisco performers went. Um, it wasn't until, uh, I guess, my freshman year of college. Uh, oh, and t- uh, to back up a bit, um, I had only used uh, weed once in high school and it didn't work for me. Oh, so you were a good uh, kid. You were a good boy in high school. Yes, yes. Well, only due to lack of opportunities. <laughs> um, I didn't know any of the bad guys. Uh, yeah. Where uh, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't in their confidence. Let's put it that way. Um, uh, I have an older brother who uh, lived in um, upstate New York, um, and my freshman year of college in, in uh, at the University of Buffalo, I had a roommate. I had a friend who lived near Saratoga. Uh, which is where my brother lived. Um, And he was going home for the weekend. Uh, 
and I figured I'll, I'll go visit my brother. Um, and we talked a bit, you know, once, once I got there, I said, you know, I'm not, you know, he, he was, he was um, trying to get me to uh, be able to react uh, to, to weed. Um, and it just wasn't happening. So what he did was he put me in a room by myself with a, a water pipe, uh, a jug of uh, Almaden wine uh, for people of my generation uh, that will, uh, that was high class wine back then. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, filled up a water pipe with uh, some grass and some hash and some uh, keef, which was, you know, very exotic stuff back then. Um, and put American Beauty on the turntable, or as we called them back then, record player. Um, one thing that I, I did uh, get into uh, in high school and early college were the Zap comics, uh, the R. Crumb things, and that keep on trucking um, uh, meme that he had back then. So when uh, the dead started playing trucking on the... Um, on American Beauty, it resonated with me. Um, yeah, no, I'm, no. I'm sure that I'm sure the smoke and, and the wine had nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's brotherly love for you, sequestering you with the Grateful Dead and and good smokes and good smokes and good yeah. wine. Yeah. Hey, so since um, yeah, so trucking was a big song for you. They played a hell of a trucking um, in Roosevelt Stadium that day. Yep. And you shared your ticket stub with me, $5.50. So you more than yep. got your money's worth. Everything you ever could have wanted to see uh, that yep. day you saw. Um, so uh, going, to, going to Roosevelt Stadium, maybe uh, I was always, it's a minor league ballpark. I was curious if you could kind of set the scene of what, what it was like to be in Roosevelt Stadium that day. Okay, well, um, I don't remember how, I guess somebody else must have gotten the tickets. Uh, um during the summer is when I would get together with my, you know, my high school buddies who were also home from college for the summer. So one of them must have gotten the tickets. Um, and we drove down from uh, Rockland County to uh, Jersey City. Um, and like you said, it's a minor league ballpark. Um, it was already starting. It was really showing its age by then. Um, the stage was set up uh, in the outfield. You know, I, I imagine it was in center field. Um, I don't remember it being a, a crappy night weather-wise, so it must have been a nice night. Um, and I was really excited to be there um, because by then, you know, between the time um, of my encounter at my, at my brother's house and, you know, this um, night at the, uh, at the stadium, uh, Skull and Roses had come out and I got into that in a big way. Um, big Railroad Blues was like uh, a really big favorite of mine because it had two separate guitar solos. Yeah. You know, that, that, that was unheard of, you know, for any song, but even the Grateful Dead were doing two solos, you know, separated by some uh, vocals. Yeah, hey, so, that, that, that must have blown your mind at the Roosevelt Stadium show, man. You heard more instrumentals than you ever could have dreamed of. Oh, or imagined. yeah. So, um, hey, at, at the show that day, what, what was like the big takeaway impressions? I know um, you didn't know all the stuff. You didn't have experience seeing the Grateful Dead before. But what was your, your big impressionable takeaways from that night? Okay, well, 
the, the disappointment, of course, was that Pigpen wasn't there. Yeah. Um, he was already starting to get you know, pretty sick. You know, uh, I guess the European tour took a lot out of him. Uh, there was all the rumors floating around that we were going to see people from the Allman Brothers because two nights earlier, uh, some guys from the Allman Brothers band showed up at the dead gig in Connecticut. And the night before, some guys from the dead showed up at the Allman Brothers gig at Gallup Park in the Bronx. Uh, that didn't pan out either. <laughs> but um, it was a solid it was a solid show. Um, I kind of went in expecting to hear kind of a replay of Skull and Roses, which of course wasn't what the live performances were about. Uh, I'd only been to two or three rock concerts before, so I didn't have you know much to go on uh, on that score. Um, they had technical difficulties early on with the piano. Sire yeah. first set, yeah, right. Um, you, know, you, you hear them talking about that on on the, on the Miller sourced tape, um, but just being happy to be there and. It's a, it's a thing is wow, I've, you know, yeah. after a you know kind of a year or so of really can't being unable to wait to see the dead, here I am. Yeah, so I had kind of the same experience in my first show, Madison Square Garden. It's just so overwhelming. You know, you you you're coming off the albums, and then you see yeah. it live. It's like a, it's a different language. Even if you have the live albums, you're listening to live albums. When you step into a concert, it's just taking it to another level. Right. And we, I think we, we talked, you also mentioned something like that really kind of uh, intrigued me. You mentioned something about pyrotechnics during the show. Yeah. Um, and this is something I've never spoken to anybody else who was at that show. Um, but we're going to um, take your word for it. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. Well, you know, when uh, when the facts get in the way of the legend, print the legend. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um and you can't hear hear this on the at least not on the uh, the uh, on the Charlie Miller sourced tape of of the soundboard. Um, but during Casey Jones, which closed out the first set, they were shooting uh, skyrockets off uh, from from I guess from the side of the stage, but no, not on the stage, obviously, but off to the side of the stage on the ground. Um, and it seemed to me. Uh, and the way I remember it, or the way the memory I've created since then, is that they were shooting the skyrockets kind of in time to the music. So while they were singing, driving that train, you would hear whoosh, and, and as they're singing high on cocaine, boom, <laughs> over and over again. Wow, it would be amazing if they actually timed that out like that. That would be pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I'm. I'm sure there's some creative license involved in my uh, my recollection, but it you know it, it, it makes for a good story. Yeah. Um, the you know this was the actually this turned out to be the only three set concert I ever went to. Um, uh, they opened the second set with playing in the band, um, and unless I'm confusing the second and third set, but no, definitely second not. set. You're right on. Oh, I am okay. Yeah. Well, during during the uh, during playing in the band, um, it's kind of hard to describe, but it was again off stage, but you know, 
to this off to the side of the stage. It was almost like a small billboard that they that they had set up, and out of nowhere, they just lit up uh, this billboard and it kind of and it just lit up letters. You know, Grateful Dead. You know, one one of the words was in green letters. One was red. I don't remember which is which, but you know, I don't know if they were sparklers or Roman, not Roman candles, Roman candles, but some sort of firework that just kind of lit up this sign off to the side of the stage. Wow, that was pretty cool. cool. Definitely, yeah. man. During playing in the band, that's a home run. So yeah, it's the scoreboard's keeping track, man. They probably yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a bunch of home runs on that night. He got a great truck in, great dark yeah. star. Listening yeah. to the, uh, I know. Uh, you can't think back to 72 and remember how you, you took it all in back then, but listening to the tape and years after, uh, what, what are your favorite moments from the show? What, what do you like from there? Um, well, I, I, it's hard to pin. It is hard to pin that down, you know, because there were a lot of, you know, terrific performances. Um, a lot of songs I wasn't familiar with because Europe 72 hadn't been released yet. Yeah. So, um, at the time, there was like all this new material that, you know, when you go to a concert, you want to hear hear your favorite songs. And it was all these new songs that were fine, but they, they weren't my favorites yet. Yeah. Did, did you did um, you know Dark Star or was that just something you came to afterwards? Well, I, I knew of Dark Star because Live Dead was out by then. Um, I was wasn't into the wasn't as interested in the long jammy songs back then uh you know i was more into the you know the rather crisp you know rockers like big railroad blues like bertha yeah they opened like up with bertha correct truck and and truck truck and did have that wasn't spacey but it had a romp and rock and uh instrumental yeah. at the end right yeah so and, um, you know again yeah. and you're know, going down the road feeling bad yeah, that sort of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, they ended up with a not fade away going down the road, not fade away. So you definitely got your your money's worth the 550 for sure. What a that's like four hours of music, it's crazy. And, yeah, and, uh, and ending with one more Saturday night, yeah, which of oh. course is not never got recorded. Yeah, I forgot that. Thanks for mentioning that because it's not on the uh, tapes. I, yeah, I, on the tapes I've been listening to. So I, I totally forgot that they did one more Saturday night for an encore. You only see it on the list, it's not on the recordings. Yeah, And uh, last thing here on the Roosevelt Stadium show. So this experience, did it launch you into a life as being a deadhead and going to see more shows? Was that like the igniter for it all? I think it's a fair, that's a fair statement. I think um, just listening to the records that I had were certainly putting me in that direction. Um, I guess if I guess if the concert had really really stunk, <laughs> if I really had an awful time, maybe you know life would have taken a different direction. But it didn't, so it didn't. Yeah, um, uh, amazing. It's like uh, first show to be there for that much music, and obviously you liked it because you stayed. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a lo- long time to stay at a concert, and uh, definitely a great way to kick off your career. It's an amazing part of. American cultural history. That's why we're glad to have you on the Deadology podcast. Someone who is actually at there and can recall some of it at least. <laughs> and yeah. uh, hey, Barry, man, uh, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for uh, coming on the podcast today. Always a pleasure, my friend. All right.
Speak to you later. Peace. Peace. Thanks, Barry. Thanks for sharing your thoughts and reflections on July 18th, 1972. Let's dive into the show. So the Grateful Dead are feeling great on top of the world after finishing the Europe 72 tour. Uh, The shows were a tremendous success, and they got an album ready to put out, which would come out, um, I think it was early 73, they came out with Europe 72. But man, they were just so psyched to be in Europe and the, the their performances there are legendary. Just, you know, the Grateful Dead, as good as it gets. And um, so they're on top of the world. They're back in front of their, uh, probably the most, well, they, they, obviously California and San Francisco is uh, the, their their main fan base, but probably their rowdiest, the newest fan base was hovered around the New York City area. And here they are in front of about 30,000, 40,000 in a minor league baseball stadium, um, you know, Roosevelt Stadium. And just that they are, the, the band's on top of the world, and now they're going to give it to New York City on a beautiful summer night. They open up with Bertha, nice Bertha opener, and then they follow with Me and My Uncle. Uh, that was a, almost a, a typical one-two punch. They did that several times in Europe, and uh, they always performed it well, as they did here in Roosevelt Stadium. Um, the first big number um, to come from this show is in the third spot. Um, before they go into it, they mention that Pigpen isn't feeling well. He's at home recovering. And obviously, and unfortunately, uh, Pigpen's last show with the Grateful Dead was a month earlier, June 17th. Nobody knew it at the time, but he would never appear with the Grateful Dead again. And uh, in tune with that, the, the song they're about to play is a song about Janice, Birdsong. And the big deal about this performance is they hadn't done it in, in a year. Um, I believe the date is August 24th, 71 was the last time they played it. And this is also their first time doing it with Keith Godshaw on piano. And uh, the great thing about this version, it's obviously an improved, uh, the, just the arrangement is improved. A lot a lot nicer, not, not a lot a lot nicer sounding, but definitely nicer sounding than the, set, the, the versions from 71. They did a nice improvement on it. And the versions that would come up over the next month, like Vanita and uh, Berkeley Community Theater, they would take it to another level and jam much more on it. Um, But this is a a good nine-minute version, and it's just a great celebration because one of their best songs is Back Birth Song. Um, Unfortunately, they didn't play in Europe 72. It would have been great if they played it out there. But it's back, uh, a big feather in the cap of this uh, Roosevelt Stadium show. And then uh, moving along... Uh, in the fourth spot, uh, we got a Promised Land, fifth spot, Sugary, and obviously I can't take a ton of time on every song or we, ne- we would never get through this podcast. Uh, the next big moment in this is the sixth song of the uh, first set, The Black-Throated Wind. And, and by the way, just the, the song selection, the way this, sh- this show flows, it's such a great thing to listen to, man. The band's just, you know, they, they got it going on. Uh, the only problem is, and they and they mention this during the set, there's feedback or some sound distortion coming from Pete's uh, Keith's piano, and a little crackling going on, and you can hear it on the tape here and there. They fix it for the second set, but it's a little thing uh, as a listener you got to overcome, and not too overbearing, but I'm sure it bothered them as they were playing. Six song, black throated win, and and for me uh, personally, man, I had a tape back in the day can't recall what tape it was 
And it was a, it was a first set. There was time left over on this 90-minute tape. And there was a black throw to win there. And it was the coolest black throw to win. Um, and whenever I hear black throw to win on another tape or when I start again CDs, nothing ever matched it. I, I couldn't wait to find out what, what that black throw to win was. And when I finally got the Roosevelt Stadium show, probably sometime in the early 2000s, I was like, that's it. When I heard this show, I was like, that's the Black Throat of Wind I've been listening to. I heard it like hundreds of times. I knew it inside out. And when I heard the Roosevelt Stadium show, I'm like, that's the perfect Black Throat of Wind. Uh, Bob Weir's singing is freaking awesome on this. And uh, Jerry's hitting like every note with the right emotion. Um, so When they do uh, I Left St. Louis, City of Blues, Garcia's licks right there are just perfect. And, and the, the whole thing's awesome, the way they bring it on home here at the end. And you can even hear a little bit of the crackling of the piano. With that. I mean, uh, th- this song ha- has it all. And right now, let's take a, a listen to the end of the Black Throat of Wind from Roosevelt Stadium, 718-72. Looking at you, looking at me. of that awesome black throat of wind the band fires into cat rider and roosevelt stadium is in heaven um as i as i listened i wanted to dance on the table when i was listening to this cat rider and it's pretty awesome but the usually very hot segue jam into rider um it's okay nothing nothing to get crazy about uh band rolls forward with another uh tune that would uh appear on europe 72 uh, Jack Straw, and uh, they they keep the keep the great flow of songs going. You got a loser, beat it down the line, and we're getting uh, down to the final three songs of the opening first set. Um, the this one is pretty awesome. The third Stella Blue um, ever played. Uh, they did it on June seventeenth. They played it at the show before in uh, Dillon Stadium in Hartford. And uh, this is the third version of Stella. And it's beautiful. And it's obvious that Jerry is loving these uh, these lyrics that Hunter gave him. 
Uh, it all rolls into one. Nothing comes for free. Uh, Jerry was just singing his heart out on this uh, beautiful version of Stella, and the song would continue uh, to develop uh, over time. Yeah, so many, so many of the songs they they played just kept getting better and better. The, the Grateful Dead were just in that 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 phase where everything that came into the rotation would just get better as time went went on. There was no no other way for it to go. Um, El Paso follows Stella Blue, Jerry Pickety Pokety Away, uh, a little Bob's Country tune, Marty Robbins, El Paso, and the set ends up with a rousing version of Casey Jones. And as my friend Barry told you, there were skyrockets going off. And man, what a mu- scene that must have been in uh, Roosevelt Stadium over 52 years ago. Um, the, the band takes a break. They announced that they're going to get the tuning right. Everything's going to be great for the second set. They did a killer first set. Um, but they come out for the second set. And they got a third set in store too. This is just a huge night. So the second set, the, the thing to keep in mind here. As we, we go into it, one of the best sets the Grateful ever, Grateful Dead ever did. It's seven original Grateful Dead songs just laid out some of their best songs. So if you're talking about just a, a perfect set um, that should be in if the Grateful Dead out of Hall of Fame and you just can only put certain sets in, this would be a set in there. Um, opens up with uh, playing in the band, a really hot 14-minute version uh, playing in the band re- started coming into its own in, um, you know, in uh, 19, uh, not obviously in 1972, but um, in Europe, 72. Uh, the versions really were taken off. Uh, you got the great one from uh, 4872 London, England, Wembley Pool, uh, Bicker Shores, a very hot version. Um, towards the end in the Lyceum, they did like a 20 minute version of playing. So this thing was just exploding. And also the the beat club version is great. I think they did two planes on that night um, for the the video of the beat club. Uh, so yeah, another great uh, playing the band here, and not quite as hot as it would be in Venita a month later. That Venita plane is it's got to be the best. It's like the perfect version, and there's so many great versions towards the, towards the end of '72 and into '73. Uh, you can't go wrong with playing in the band at all. Um, so playing the band opens up the second set and then they got two new originals, which are yet to be on the albums. Once again, Brown Eyed Women and Tennessee Jed, they do very cool versions. And it's just so, so interesting. It's one of the reasons I wanted to speak to Barry because he was like the, the prototype person I had in mind who would be at Roosevelt Stadium. You, you heard an album, um, you're not a Grateful Dead follower yet. You weren't there in Fillmore East in 1969. And they're just playing all these songs, which uh, it's so so unusual that you know a crowd would be out there soaking it in songs they never heard before. And the, the Grateful Dead, they did the crowd pleasing stuff, but they were just on an art, artistic, you know, just a charging charging ahead, full steam ahead. Didn't matter if they were in Europe. It didn't matter if they were in Roosevelt Stadium. This band was on a mission. They were just you know they were playing music almost for a future audience. It's like. It's like they knew they were playing for a future audience at the time, which obviously that that really wasn't on their mind. But man, just you know, this stuff could only truly be appreciated by an audience down the future who really knows all these songs. Just so many, so much new stuff for for an audience to take in here. And um, then, 
at this point, the, the show just totally takes off. The two best performances of the night are coming up back to back. Just a, a huge leap forward. Two best ever versions. Not the best ever, although they could be. They're right up there. Trucking into Dark Star. And this is the first time these songs were, were put together. Um, they break into trucking. You know, everybody's psyched. Trucking's, you know, an FM kind of staple at this point. And just the, the jam that follows is crazy, man. It's just Garcia. Garcia and the band are best, but especially Jerry here. I, I love what he does. Like, he'll do a call and response kind of thing, except the only, th- the only thing with that is he's doing the responding. So it's like he'll throw out a great lead. He, he realizes he loves the lead. So he, it's like he's answering back to himself. It's, it's, it's brilliant. It, it sounds very simple that a guitarist would play a lead and then respond to his own lead with with a, like you know a call and response type thing, playing almost the same type lead. But uh, hey, Garcia was kind of like a master at that. That's one of the things I I love best about his playing, and you don't hear it too much in other other guitarists. Maybe it's almost like they're might be afraid to do something like that. But Garcia would find a lick he liked, and then he would just kind of re- repeat it, but with a slight variation or a little more emphasis, a little emp- little less emphasis. And it worked, man. It was just it was Garcia magic, you know. One of the unique stylings that he had. A jazz guitarist that comes to mind who does something like that is Grant Green. where um, and That's a guy you should check out if you haven't heard uh, too much Grant Green. Great jazz guitarist. But he would fixate on certain licks and just play them over and over. And you never get sick of it. You crave it more as they're, they're repeating the lick. And to hear a little bit of uh, what I'm talking about, I'm going to play a section of this trucking, about four minutes of trucking. And you clearly hear that uh, call and response. And later in the song, Jerry and uh, Keith get, get a little thing going while they're doing the trucking. Uh, they come back to the trucking chorus. Uh, but this is such a great, great jam here. Enjoy trucking from Roosevelt Stadium, 71872.
Providing the oral fireworks on this night in Roosevelt Stadium, Saturday, July 18th, 1972. So the jam rolls on for a bit, and then it uh, goes into this pretty little instrumental, kind of a prelude. And as the sun's setting and the stars are beginning to appear, the Grateful Dead launch Dark Star. Much to the delight of those in the know in uh, Roosevelt Stadium that night, um, the Dark Stars from Europe. So the Dark Star just taken, in my opinion, a huge leap. These 1972 uh, stars starting out in Europe, just otherworldly to me, man. Just uh, unbelievable how good they are, and they continued with the role of Dark Stars here in uh, Roosevelt Stadium. Uh, so this this version, man, it just the there's 15 minutes till Jerry gets the Dark Star verse, and it's for me it's like a perfect engaging 15 minutes. Um, starts off with some real nice ripping. The band changes changes course a little bit, but not too much. They don't get like very spacey with it. Um, just very engaging. Uh, when I think of this Dark Star, I put it in the same same category. As the one from uh, London, April eighth, on seventy two, and also uh, October thirty first, seventy one, the, the one from Dick's Picks, Columbus, Ohio. Just the, the type of dark stars. If you're going to play it for somebody who's not a Grateful Dead fan, this is something. It's just totally engaging. It doesn't get weird at all. Just great instrumentation for fifteen uh, cons- consecutive minutes. A different feel to it. I'm not, you know, saying that it's better than. Other versions where they, they go out into Pluto and galaxies beyond. Um, but the, the, this is just very engaging. Hard, hard not to be sucked in by how good the band's playing all the way through. And uh, this this version from about the 11-minute part until uh, Jerry gets to singing that first verse is probably my favorite uh, portion of, of any Dark Star. So let's go back to the audio tape and check out some of the hottest jamming you'll ever hear in any dark star.
falls in the clouds of delusion. The Grateful Dead and Jerry Garcia and Fuego giving it their all for Roosevelt Stadium and future audiences. So uh, the Dark Star after the the verse um, it definitely takes a different turn, but still very engaging. It's all kind of mind, out-of-body fusion, uh, tiger jam, just shredding. Um, but definitely going to another galaxy, uh, the... The alien ship has taken off and nobody's in Roosevelt Stadium anymore. Everyone's uh, going to other galaxies with the Grateful Dead as their leaders. As the Dark Star uh, comes to almost short for, for the time period, but <laughs> 27 minutes. Um, but it's, it's a fully engaging Dark Star, uh, in my opinion, as good as anyone out there. Um, and the, the craziness of the Dark Star kind of uh, segues into the compassionate calm of Comes a Time. And Jerry sings his heart on, the, on this one. Very cool version. Um, most of the versions from 71, 72, this, this era, uh, don't segue into another song. Just they come just comes a time by itself. And uh, when, they, when they bring the song back in 76, 77, it's actually, it actually turns into a great segue tune where they uh, take it to another, another uh, part, part of a bigger segment. Uh, but on these occasions, it just comes to an end. And then the amazing second set here, um, they close it out with a Sugar Magnolia. So once again, this is a Grateful Dead original set playing in the band. Brown Eyed Women, Tennessee Jed, Truckin', Dark Star, Comes a Time, Sugar Magnolia. Just a perfect little set, and there's a whole nother set to go. Uh, just being at Roosevelt Stadium, three sets over well, I haven't actually counted it, but I think it's four hours of music. Um, third set uh, gets underway with Ramble on Rose. And once again, unless there's people at this and there, I'm sure there are some people at this point following the Grateful Down, Dead around a little. And I've heard Ramble on Rose before. It, was, it came out a year earlier. First performance in Minneapolis on October 1971. Um, to most of the people in Roosevelt Stadium, once again, it had to be like a new song. Uh, beautiful version of Ramble on Rose. Uh, Keats playing in Ramble on Rose is, is something to behold. Next song, greatest story ever told. By the way, for also for a lot of people, well, probably almost everyone there, this is their first time seeing Donna. Uh, Donna wasn't over the top on this night. She was kind of, kind of like a, you know, definitely like a, a lower lower key role for her on this night. Um, usually she has more of a impact, you know, but uh, definitely a more a little more lead back Donna on this night. But first times for many people here seeing uh, Donna Godshaw. Um, you know, she played uh, her first show was I believe New Year's Eve '71, and then she actually joined the band on, during the Europe '72 tour. Uh, so greatest story. Uh, ever told is the next song and like several songs from this era um, that, that came out on in 71 uh, at the Capitol Theater they broke out a bunch of new tunes and um, Birdsong was one of them Greatest Story was another in 72 they took Greatest Story just to another level in Europe it was through the roof such a great tune another uh, really good version here of uh, Greatest Story Ever Told Hot but not as Good is the best from uh, Europe 72. Uh, if you love Greatest Story, I think um, 
just give you a quick uh, listing here of the the very hot ones. 426, a Germany show. Uh, 5-3, Paris. And Bickershore, 5-7. I say those are the three best from that tour. Just uh, incredible how this little song, which was... uh, it came for was first played in '71 at the Capitol Theater. Just became this huge instrumental, only only like a six minute song, but just they packed such punch in it. So Ramblin' Rose, greatest story, and then, ladies and gentlemen, here is Mississippi Half Step, Uptown, Toodaloo, the second ever version. They broke it out two nights before in Dillon Stadium. Uh, very cool. A little raggedy compared to what it would be, and you know, obviously they're just uh, breaking it in here. But it's obvious the potential of the song, how cool it is. Uh, band's totally into it, and it would just take it would take a couple months till they really uh, got got the song together. There's an excellent version in the Philly Spectrum, September 21st. I think that's when the song really started taking off, and obviously Half Step became another huge anthem along with Stella Blue. Uh, that it w- would end up on uh, their their next album, uh, Wake of the Flood, and then after Half Step, uh, they, um, they they break a, a long string here of, of originals, and they go with uh, a Merle Haggard song, perhaps his greatest song. Merle had so many awesome songs, but just from songwriting and an emotional standpoint, there's nothing like Sing Me Back Home. And Jerry sings great here, great backing vocals from Donna, um, you know, and singing back home would only have about another year left in the rotation, maybe seven to 10 more performances. Um, you know, the, the Grateful Dead were breaking in so much new material. You got the Stellar, you got Eyes of the World, just tons of songs coming into the rotation. Um, a singing me back home had its little time, little, its little shining moment in the sun. And it's, it was definitely a trademark, great ballad, Jerry Ballad from 72. And then after coming out of the, you know, almost very contemplative, um, you know, emotional ballad, Sing Me Back Home, the band just rocks the socks off of uh, Roosevelt Stadium, Jersey City, one more time. Jersey City was about, about I think, about eight miles from uh, Manhattan, I guess it's possible people could have even seen Manhattan from Roosevelt Stadium right across the river. But, uh, yeah, man, they, they they totally rocked out here at the end. Not fade away, going down the road, not fade away. And this is one song people were probably, one combination people were probably familiar with from the uh, Skulls and Roses album. And that ended the, the third set, just a, a great set after what went down in set two. An enormous night of music. And as we discussed earlier in the show with, uh, with with Barry, they did play One More Saturday Night for an encore. I would have totally forgot about that because it's not on any tapes. But um, as if they hadn't done, done enough already, they come out for One More Saturday Night. And that's it. One of the great shows, huge shows in Grateful Dead history, July 18th, 72, Roosevelt Stadium. And that wraps up this episode, episode five of season two of the Deadology podcast. Next month, huge month, we got Jerry Garcia Band on tap. It's Jerry Garcia Band month, February. 
And the uh, first show I'm going to do is the one I um, rated the best ever in my book, Positively Garcia, Reflections of the JGB, uh, an early Jerry show from 1972, Pacific High Studio, February 6, 1972. And I think I'll even be recording it on the date or uh, on the anniversary or, or a day before, uh, but excited for that month. Um, my books are available, www.tangledupintunes or Amazon, and also the Deadology Podcast. If you want to join the Deadology Podcast group and uh, discuss podcasts, any Grateful Dead-related material, uh, just look it up, uh, Deadology Podcast. I'll let you come into the group. There's no uh, weird questionnaire or anything. Uh, if you like the Grateful Dead, a uh, good place to go. We'll uh, carry on and discuss all matters Jerry and the boys. So uh, once again, thanks for listening. Until we meet again, peace out.